Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On October 15th, 11 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holyhound Tap Room in downtown York. The theme for our October Story Slam was Trick or Treat. We heard stories of Halloween pranks, non-Halloween pranks, ghosts, and delightful treats. In the end, our winner was Randy Parker, who won with his story about trying to scare a high school date with a ghost story. This is a ghost story. Can we bring the house lights down to match the tone of the ghost story? Bring them down a little bit? That's perfect. Thank you. (laughs) This is actually a true story about a ghost story. 1983, a warm October night, much like tonight, Iron Stone Hill Road in Dallas Town. A young high school couple is heading home from a date, and they're heading down Iron Stone Hill Road, past Hess Farm Road, Lake Redmond, down toward 214 Dunkard Valley Road, the road that takes you to. Loganville. But before you get to Loganville, there's a church on the left, and there's a small gravel road on the right, and that small gravel road is called Diamond Road, and it leads back toward a baseball field right off of I-83. And late at night, it's a killer place to go parking in high school (laughs) because nobody's driving by and nobody's seeing what's going on. And this young couple, this high school couple at Dallas Town, heads down Diamond Road. And there's a young, tall, incredibly painfully skinny boy at the, driving, at the steering wheel with hopes of making out with this girl. And they're not there two minutes before it becomes damn clear that there's going to be no making out <laughs> at the baseball field. So that painfully tall, painfully skinny young man decides to tell a story to this young woman. And he points over at the shed near the baseball field. And he tells the story about the maintenance man. (laughs) About the maintenance man who took care of the ball field. Who took care of the lawnmowers that took care of the ball field. And the day that the maintenance man reached into the clogged lawnmower while the blades were still spinning and cut off his hand. And the blood went everywhere. And it was totally disgusting. And the man bled out right there in front of everybody. But for weeks after that, the field was carefully mowed and carefully maintained, even though the maintenance man had died. And it turned out that the maintenance man had not died that he still lived in the maintenance shed right over there. But he did not have hands. He had hooks for hands. And he would still haunt high school students who would go to that field. And at that point, a very tall, very skinny high school student made the mistake of smacking the top of the car as hard as he could and made a huge boom. And the poor girl in the passenger seat freaked out and bounced. 
And the tall, skinny dork flung the door open, and he threw himself out of the car. And on the grass, he's writhing around going, ah, 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 and he's being dragged away. And then he's being dragged back toward the car, and he's being dragged under the car, and his hands are, are up like this, and just silence. And the poor girl is freaking out in the car until I poked my head up over the seat and went, <laughs> I was just joking. Any chance of ever making out with that girl went like <laughs> gone right there, right? It was never, ever gonna happen. But boy, it was funny. I mean, it was like, from my part, it's like, that is the funniest thing that's ever happened. And she hit me and it was just terrible for her. I'm like, all right, fine. So I get in the car, turn around. She's not talking to me, just like this in the seat. And we're driving down Dunkard Valley Road on a warm October night. And if you've ever been by Lake Redmond and those roads, you know how the fog settles down into the valley. And it was a dark, foggy night. You could hardly see anything in front of the car. And this tall, skinny dork behind the wheel is driving down and he's so satisfied with himself and he's smiling. And all of a sudden, he goes, because a ghost appeared right in front of the car. A ghost with a big, hairy, fat face, this disgusting face right in the windshield. And I drove off the road into the farm field, screaming the whole way. And I come to a stop. And the girl in the car seat looks at me and goes, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. She goes, it was a cow, you idiot. There was a cow in the road. So we each had a really good time that night. <laughs> Randy earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Congratulations, Randy. Next up, we have a story from Leo DeSanto, who shared a story remembering celebrating Halloween through the years with his dad. Um, so I want to tell you a story about my Halloweens with the Halloween lovingest guy that I ever knew, who also happened to be my dad, Joe DeSanto. Growing up, I had the interesting distinction of being the only kid on the block who had his own spook house in the garage. My dad used to put this thing together painstakingly in the days preceding Halloween, and he would charge like a dime or something to neighborhood kids, donate it all to UNICEF or some other charitable organization. And it featured such memorable characters as Witchy Poo and her little cat Pie Wacket, who the beam of the flashlight would always reveal to have some kind of severed human finger or something in his mouth. <laughs> but the best of all with Dad was trick-or-treating. Now, I trick-or-treated until I was, I think, 14 or 15, and all but the last year of that, my dad went along with me. And my brother and whatever of our friends were fortunate enough to come along, too. And Dad was pretty meticulous about his costumes, which were marked by two major characteristics. One... You could never see who was in the costume. They were always full body, head to toe. And two, his absolute refusal to break character for any amount of time <laughs> to any human whatsoever, me, my brother, my mom, until the costume came back off. So from the moment we first saw him wearing it to the time it came back off, he was the costume. The costumes were elaborate. It might be uh, a one iteration of a recurring character called the cruel ghoul who got, seemed to get crueler every year. Or, or a full-bodied, thunder-breasted version of what that he called Nurse Ratchet with giant syringe full of blood and things like that. 
And out the door we'd go, down the street trick-or-treating. Let me offer you a brief reenactment. Trick-or-treat. Trick-or-treat. My, don't you all look scary. Candy. Aren't you a little bit of a big boy to be... Candy! House after house. It's kind of the way it went down. <laughs> Leaving some creeped out expressions in our wake, but a good time was always had, and then we'd go back up and tally up the candy. It was probably uh, my 13th year trick-or-treating, my 13th Halloween, when we were getting ready to go, and Dad was getting ready to put on his costume, and he said... Leo, do you have the soap and the eggs and the toilet paper? And I said, Dad, whatever are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, for the people that don't have any candy. See, in my father's world, not having candy was akin to some kind of mortal sin. It was an absolute dereliction of your duties as a member of civilized society to not be <laughs> holding down your porch and giving out candy on Halloween. So a man who was law-abiding under all other circumstances, uh, it was completely justified to do something like this. So that Halloween, I went out and soaped houses with my dad. It's a lot of fun. After we finished trick-or-treating, me and my buddy Danny uh, decided to go out for some further mischief, and dad said, you know, be careful, don't get in trouble. But we were 13-year-old kids, so of course we did. We turned it into something more perverse entirely and far less well-intentioned. It, it stopped mattering to us whether the houses had candy or not. We kind of stopped checking. Instead, we just tried to concentrate as many gooey and disgusting things as possible into a single lobable device. And we got pretty good at it. You know, there's the rotten fruit, the eggs, things like that. And of course, covering, festooning every tree, every house of every kid down the street we didn't like, that little prick from first grade, you know, <laughs> with toilet paper. I think it was our very first time doing this, too, that somebody actually called the cops who caught up with us and stopped us and searched our bags which had bars of soap in them. But somehow, somehow, fate was on our side that Halloween, and the cops didn't find the soap. They let us go. Danny's mom came and picked us up. Danny's mom, with her thick Long Island accent and her chain smoking, who somehow could always smell it whenever we'd taken a drag of a cigarette or a puff of weed, sniffs the air in the car and says, why do you guys smell like soap? So my dad died of cancer in June of 2015, and I inherited his house where I now live alone. And four Halloweens have passed since then, and I am absolutely flabbergasted and maybe even a little bit offended that he hasn't haunted me yet. <clears throat> I mean, you'd really think a guy with his kind of macabre sensibilities would get around to it, and I've actually openly invited him to do so. I mean, here I am, his morbid Halloween-loving son, who tells stories to people in bars in York wearing zombie-printed designer underwear <laughs> under his jeans, and the old man still hasn't appeared to me yet. So since it's Halloween season and I'm on microphone again, I'm just going to reiterate that uh, that's one apparition that will always be welcome at my door. Thanks so much, folks. <laughs> Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Chris Kaufman. Chris told the story of riding on a float in the Red Lion Halloween Parade. I was a brownie, but I wasn't really, like, a very good one. Um, like, failed at browniehood. But there are basically three sort of events that I remember from being a brownie. 
the first is making Rice Krispie treats, which is a skill that I have retained. Um, <laughs> it's pretty easy, just butter and some marshmallow and mix all that stuff together and then smash it up. So that was really fun. Uh, the second was the night my mom forgot to pick me up. Uh, she was um, at the laundromat. Uh, so, and the third is sort of this, this thing that I actually felt really guilty about for years. And sometimes when I really think about it, I still feel guilty about it. Um, we participated in the Halloween parade. And so everybody dressed up and we got on this float. Um, I was a witch, and it was one of those, uh, I can actually, you know how they say smells are sort of associated with memories? I can actually still smell that green paint that I put on my face, uh, because that's how traumatic this was. So, uh, I'm on the float, and it was one of those Halloweens where it was actually really cold. Uh, we were going through Red Lion, and we were on Main Street, and we were just kind of tossing candy out. Um, I haven't seen people doing this at Halloween parades anymore. I think they generally just have a bag, and they hand the, the candy. And I'm not sure if I have a part in that change, but... So here's what happened. Um, as I said, it was really cold, and I was in charge of distributing the... Uh, I think you pronounce it brocks, bracks, uh, those little square caramels, which actually, uh, when chilled to a certain temperature, have very sharp edges to them. They're squares. Um, they should probably change their packaging. So we're on this float, and we're going, you know, the standard 5 to 15 miles per hour. And I was the kind of kid who, like, I did everything very much. If you said, run, I ran as hard as I could. And if you said, toss candy at the children, I threw the fuck out of the candy. Um, and that's what happened next. Um, <clears throat> so there, you, you know, the streets were just lined with children and their parents. And uh, we're rolling along and I am tossing the fuck out of this candy. And... I won the softball throw, I should have mentioned. I was really good at it. Um, so I, I threw some into a crowd, and then I heard sort of like some screaming and then crying. And uh, it turns out like this, this mother is sort of comforting her daughter who has some sort of like eye region injury, which was apparently my work. And so the mom like points at the float dramatically and says, get that witch. And, you know, I can still smell the green paint on my face. Um, and she kind of starts doing this thing where she's running toward the float, only we're going, you know, super slow. And there was this moment where it was sort of that, like, what if the dog actually catches the car kind of thing? Um, and then the float totally stops. And so the mom is kind of doing this like slow motion, like I would kick this kid's ass, but I'm can't catch up thing. Only we're stopped. And so there was this weird, awkward moment where she just kind of looked at me and I looked at her and I was so mortified. Like I really was not a violent kid or someone who wanted to poke anybody's eye out. Uh, but, you know, we just kind of looked at each other and had this moment of recognition where it was like, yeah, sorry. 
This was the last Open Mic Story Slam of our season. All the winners from this year's Story Slam events will return to compete in our Grand Slam in November for the title of Best Storyteller in York. We are grateful for generous support from our sponsor, KBG Injury Law, as well as the Appel Center for Performing Arts. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.